0: Hey guys, welcome back to the show. I'm Parker Amrail, and this is the Conversation Station. Today we are here with Eric Hyde. Eric is a po- police officer for the Gard Gardena uh, Police Department. Yeah,
1: and- close enough. Yeah, G- Gardena.
0: G- Gardena. Okay, um, and um, and has had some crazy experiences as a police officer, and I'm really excited to have him on. Welcome on, Eric.
1: Thank you parker I appreciate you having me how are you doing today I'm great how are you I'm good I'm good hanging out in southern california enjoying the uh the December weather uh where uh oh, where yeah. uh you know we got nice nice sunshine and uh paying high property taxes for that but it's well worth it to <laughs> to not be in the snow right now
0: <laughs> yeah we just had a, we've we've been in a bit of a rainstorm uh the yeah. last couple of days it's actually been nice i mean California you don't get much rain so you gotta Gotta yeah, savor it's, it's funny
1: get. it's funny we get down here we get about three days a year and uh of course it seems to have been the last few days and so uh my kids don't really know what rain is and so when it does they 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 shelter in place and uh just the other day my kids said man i feel like it's COVID all over again we're quarantined and it was like it rained for like two hours you know
0: <laughs> oh that's hilarious i love rain yeah and in my opinion yeah. rain yeah. is the best weather but, uh, really? why don't you tell them a little bit about yourself, Eric?
1: Okay. A little bit about myself. So, uh, let's see, I'm 49 years old. Um, I'm in the tail end of a, uh, almost 20 year career in law enforcement. Um, but, um, so I, I grew up in the, you know, pretty, pretty normal, um, middle class, uh, household in the Bay area in the late seventies, eighties. And, um, wasn't really sure what I wanted to do in life. And like, like many, you know, younger people, I, I bounced around. Um, I went to college, um, went to a couple of colleges, University of Oregon, and where I finally graduated at UC Davis. And as they say, it was the best six and a half years of my life. <laughs> um, and, you know, started working in um, finance, worked for E-Trade for a number of years and thought that I was going to go that direction. But um, I realized that there was something something missing in my life uh as far as a career was concerned and um i wanted i wanted to be active i wanted to do something that helped people um something that forced me to you know think use my brain um and i and i just didn't know what that was and uh interestingly um or not so interestingly um uh 911 happened i was working for e trade at the time uh when uh, the towers fell in, in um Uh, New York. And I remember brushing my teeth that morning in my house in Sacramento um, and feeling very helpless. And I felt like uh, it was a calling of mine. I wanted to be out there to help to be part of of something bigger. It was obviously tragic for uh, our country. And um, immediately thereafter, I applied to the Sacramento Police Department and um, became a cop and for the next uh you know this wasn't shortly after 2001 i entered the academy in 2002 so here we are 20 years later um and i've 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 worked a very uh you know done a lot seen a lot and had a pretty successful career and like i said here i am at the, the tail end of that uh pushing 50 uh looking uh looking at what the next stage of my life uh, is going to be
0: that's awesome um i think that that's one thing that's interesting is whenever something bad happens or, or, or adversity, it's, it's really it, from that a lot of good can come where it, it can become a calling for lots of people to do, to, uh, better the world.
1: Oh, I, I completely agree with that. And it's interesting you say that is that, you know, I, I'm a firm believer in, in life that, one of the things that define us as people is not so much uh, what happens to us, but how we respond when, when it does. And uh, obviously I was not um, part of 9-11. That did not affect me to the degree that it did so many people, the people that lost their lives, uh, the family members that survived. Um, but it did definitely inspire me to, um, you know, want to be part of something bigger. And, you know, I, I never served in the military. And I often regret that Um, both my parents did. My mother was in the Air Force uh, and my my uh, my father was uh, was a Marine in Vietnam. And so there's a big part of me that wished that I had had served in the military. And uh, but but serving in a local law enforcement agency, serving a community was was the next best thing. And, you know, I I know it may sound cheesy at times. um, You know, if I say, you know, I want to serve and be part of something bigger. But that that really is the truth is that. I feel that in my life, there's a calling, um, to, to, to do more, to give more, to be part of something. And, you know, there's plenty of people out there who have jobs that I want nothing to do with. I, you couldn't pay me with a 10 foot pole. Um, but, um, being working in law enforcement and, um, you know, having that, not just that, you know, the ability, but the desire to be out there every day and, and it, it has served me well. I think I've done a lot of good things. Um, I will say, um, unfortunately, uh, for many people in in uh, law enforcement, first responders, uh, firefighters, um, shit happens, and, and and we see things. We, we're forced to do things. Things happen to us uh, that has an effect on us, um, yeah, uh, long term. That 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 you don't often um, you don't recognize and. You know, I think things started happening to me that <clears throat> I didn't recognize um, to the last few years. And um, it definitely pays its, uh, you know, it takes its toll on you. Uh, but still, if I could go back and do anything differently, I, I would not. Uh, I still say it's the best career uh, out there, you know?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, um, well, it's also, I mean, for the people of a community, I would say police officers can very easily define the um well just how a community is because if if you have good police and not corrupt police who aren't who are you know like good people it's going to have a gr- in an a major positive <clears throat> impact on the people of the community versus let's say you have police that aren't aren't quite as nice and not quite as good people it's going to have a severe negative impact on the community
1: absolutely i i I could not agree with you more Uh, and i will say you know the last couple years have been a pretty tough period of time for 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 everybody Uh, but if we're talking specifically in law enforcement we're seeing a a sentiment shift um um within the country based on some incidents that that appear on the news and i'll say this is that like any job. Um, if you have, uh, you know, a bad employees in any industry, obviously it affects the industry. Um, and I will say this, um, for the community that I work for <clears throat> in the city of Gardena, uh, which I didn't mention, I, I lateral to, to Gardena, uh, a few years after being in Sacramento and, um, the people in Gardena are great. Uh, and I think it's because the officers in Gardena, and I can only speak to, to those officers in Gardena because that's who I know, that's who I work with day to day, they they do a really good job. And as a result, the community respects us. And so we've got a really good relationship with our community. And in fact, one of the most successful um, aspects to, I think, our policing model in the city of Gardena, which we've been doing for almost 15 years, <clears throat> is a community policing And we've been engaged in the community for years where we've got neighborhood watch meetings. uh, And so we listen to what they have to say because at the end of the day, obviously we do work for the community. We serve the community. And if they want to be policed a certain way, you know, within, within parameters um, then, then obviously that's our duty. Where the challenge comes in is when you have people who think they know um, the law and they think they know how we are supposed to make a traffic stop or how we're, you know, it's good in theory, but until you make a traffic stop at three in the morning with four gangsters in the car who may or may not be armed, until you've been through that, I think it's really not one's place to say how we should handle those individuals. Uh, you know, uh, you know, just just makes for a more challenging um, environment. But uh, you know, just like any other period of time, we'll get through it, and do um, we just keep doing our thing and we keep keep you know, helping those that need help.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's something that's really important is, and I think it's something that should be stressed more is don't, don't judge people or tell people how to do something. If you haven't done that thing yourself,
1: right? Yeah, if you have exactly. no
0: experience in whatever, whatever they whatever this person <clears throat> is going through, you have zero experience.
1: Who are you to tell them how to do it? Right. Right. When, when, when you, yeah. when you're told, you know, you're told in the Academy that certain things can and will happen to you as a police officer, right. Until you experience that until you see it firsthand, right. You don't know. And, and, uh, when, when those things happen to you, when you're on a traffic stop and you know, that that person has a, a warrant for their arrest or, or better yet, you don't know who they are and you don't know if they have a warrant for their arrest. And it's three in the morning, you're with one other officer. Um, how I approach that vehicle is going to be dependent on my experience as a cop. And with my experiences over the years, you know, you become cautious, you treat everybody as if they're armed, as an example, until you determine that they're not armed. And once they're not armed, then you can be have those conversations and, and be a little bit more relaxed in your demeanor and behavior. But until then, um, I want to make sure that I go home safe at night. My partner goes home safe at night. And I want to make sure that, that the occupant and the occupants of the vehicle go home safe at night. And um, sometimes in that process of this traffic stop, uh, feelings may get hurt because I'm not hugging them or I'm not uh, overly nice at that moment in time. I'm firm and to the point. And then once everything's safe, then it's time that we, can, that we can chit-chat a little bit more and figure out why we pulled them over and, and correct the behavior of whatever's going on.
0: Absolutely. Just making sure that, well, you've got to make sure that you're safe and that your off, your other, the other officer is safe before you can be, the, be kind to these people because safety first, whether you like it or not, the, the best way to be safe is to be
1: cautious. Right. Exactly. And there's, and there's a way, you know, I see cops both good and bad where it's like, okay, I can smile and be firm and respectful uh, while still um, being prepared to handle whatever adversity comes my way. And once I determine uh, that the, that the scene is safe, so to speak, or that, or the individual is not armed, then my, then I can shift in in a manner that is a little bit more relaxed and, um, yeah, I just, you know, it's, it's, uh, but, but these aren't complaints. This is just part of the job. And so when somebody from the outside steps in and says that, uh, you know, I, I, my hand was on my gun. Well, yeah, it's because if I have to pull my gun, which I've had to do, if I have to pull my gun, I'd rather have my <laughs> hand on it. And if by having my hand on my gun offends <clears> somebody, then, then they can be offended for that next minute or two until we figure out what's going on.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I have a question for you. So what, um, what skill do you think has helped you most in becoming the man you are today?
1: Ah, oh, what skill? Um, I have huge biceps that tend to help out, you know, the, the ladies love that. So I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, no, uh, uh, people skills, you know, I, I, I don't know where, uh, I was gonna say, I don't know where I got them from, but clearly my, my, uh, you know, in jeans, it's not something I've learned. I've always been kind of a silly little bitch, as your, uh, your dad and I used to say. For those listening, um, obviously, I went to college with uh, Parker's dad. And so he, too, is a silly little bitch. Uh, but we've, ha- we've had good times over the years. Uh, but no, I think <clears throat> the secret to my success, if I may say success in quotes, uh, is, uh, is, is clearly my, my ability to talk to people, engage with people. Um, I'm a Type A personality. I'm not afraid to get out there and talk to people. Um, I don't take life too seriously. Um, in fact, probably to the extreme where I probably should at times. Um, but to answer that, uh, people skills, and and that's really something I try to teach my kids. You know, I have an eight year old boy and a and a twelve year old boy, Liam and Aiden. And I remember when uh, uh, Aiden, my oldest, was was younger, we used to we used to walk around the mall. And outside the mall here in Torrance, they have these little, uh, these boxes that are like maybe two feet tall. They're lit up at night. And they're just, they're just to make the mall look nice. They're aesthetically pleasing, whatever. And so I used to stand on those box in, in midday or mid evening and I would do the robot and I'd make him get up with me and I would make him do the robot with me just for the purposes of having him you know, step outside of his comfort zone, who cares what people think. And he, he did it, you know, for a few times. And then as he started to get a little bit older, uh, he realized, yeah, dad, that's not me. I'm not you. Um, but, but, uh, you know, I tried and, and, you know, try to teach my kids to, um, you know, step out, um, not worry about what people think and, uh, just take, take things lightly and not, not too seriously.
0: Absolutely. Honestly, doing the robot on a box sounds like a ton of fun.
1: Oh, I'm I mean. telling you, my youngest son, Liam, he's eight. Dude, he would do it all day long. And that's, you know, my eight-year-old is more me. And my oldest son, uh, Aiden, is more like my wife. She clearly, she, whenever I do the robot, she would look away and pretend like she had, you know, didn't know who I was and was legitimately oh, yeah. embarrassed, which ultimately, uh, I would step down just because I didn't want to do that to my wife. But yeah, I, I could go oh, and yeah. do the robot I mean, all, day, all day long.
0: Yeah. It's funny to me because um, I don't get embarrassed and I would just totally be up there doing the robot, but I could totally <laughs> yeah. see like my sister just dying inside.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's interesting how that is. Yeah. 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 Siblings are so different. You know, it's like, like my son, I'll, you know, they'll ask me sometimes because I've asked them this question Hey, how much money? You know, how much would it take for me to, uh, or how much money would it take to pay you to you know, go take your shirt off to my son and run around the neighborhood? You know, because uh, it's like that. Like, oh, I'll do it for free, you know, um, whereas whereas like my oldest son, like you couldn't pay him to do that, you know, but just trying to yeah, get him to, no. to get out there more, you know?
0: No. Yeah. I mean, if if someone asked me that, I'm like, do I need to pay you for this or what?
1: <laughs> exactly, or, yeah. or I might try yeah.
0: and hustle. Depending on who it is, I might try and like hustle them. Be like fifty bucks. They'll be like, no, twenty five. Like deal. I would have done it for free.
1: Right. Exactly. That's right. That's right. It's
0: good. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think uh, from the people I've talked to through uh, Apogee, <laughs> the mentorship program I'm in. Yeah. I and every any time I've asked that question or a similar question it is most of the time people skills. So from that I've gathered, I would say that people skills just in general might be the most, they are probably the most valuable skill because they translate to any field, anything you do.
1: Yes, everything. I challenge you to, like even even a data analyst. I mean, okay, so you're sitting at the computer, whatever, but you have a boss to work for. You have, um, you know, uh, uh, a salary to negotiate. Um, you've got your lunch break, whatever, whatever it is. When you're interacting with people, um, that will help determine how successful you are within even your 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 data uh, analysis. Because if you're horrible with people and you go out on your lunch break and you're not interacting well, you come back. You're probably in a funk, in a different mood. I don't know, but when you go out, you get a break, you, you chat with people, you come back, you're you're. You're jazzed up, and your your data analysis and maybe this is a horrible example, but your data analysis now you've got a little more energy. Um, but even like in in my job as a cop, I mean, whew, by and large, absolutely the number one skill of any cop are people skills. And 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 I'll tell you, that's why the best cops, the most successful cops, the uh, the most injury free cops are the ones who can talk to people. Because when you've got an angry driver or an angry domestic violence suspect or an angry mother, for whatever reason, your ability to talk to that person and relate to them and 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 take them off the ledge or to, to allow them to bring a couple notches down allows them to think clearly. And then now you're in a position as a police officer to not have to use force, to not have to uh go to alternate means. And at the end of the day, that makes cops more successful. And if the cop is more successful, then the community uh is better served. And then the the community that's better served now is able to respect their police more. And it's just it's just a cycle that continues. And it just I I can't stress it enough. And that's why I tell my kids, I mean, I tell my kids the importance of interacting with people and and respect and politeness. Uh, And because it is learned um, and as they grow up, their ability to interact with people, yes, please, no thank you um goes a long way and um you know, and how we teach our kids is 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 important you know um and I know I'm going on a tangent, but i'm just i'm passionate about it, and I believe that people's skills are are very important
0: absolutely um yeah it's it's wildly apparent to me because. Again, kind of like how you, you and what you said. I just kind of have natural people skills. It's not something yeah. I've had to learn. Which it would be kind of good if it was something I had to learn, because then I could help teach people who don't have people skills. But yeah, yeah. Um, for me, I've definitely just uh, just been able to relate and connect to people since I was little, yeah. and yeah. the um, the opportunities that has opened. So so many opportunities just from being able to talk to people.
1: Oh, dude, I I, actually, I can tell you right now, Parker. So you're 15 and you are light years ahead of the average 15-year-old and you have the whole world ahead of you. And like, dude, I'm so proud of what you're doing and, and where you are right now. Uh I'm gonna add one more thing. Um when when you're talking about, you know, it's like if you were to ask me, like, hey, what like Speaking to a 15 year old, what, what is something like, how could I be successful in life? Right. And my response to that would be is, and it's, it's really not hard at all because so many people don't do these things. And first it's show up. Okay. Show up at whatever it is that you're doing. Show up. Okay. The next thing to do is work hard, show up, work hard and don't quit. It's, it's really that simple. And so many people in this world do not do that. I mean, look at you, you're, you're, you've got your podcast, right? You you're 15 years old, you're working on it. And I don't know your audience. I don't know how many viewers or listeners you have, but by being consistent, showing up, working hard and not quitting, I guarantee you, you will be light years ahead of everybody else. And that's, that's the simple recipe, but it's not always easy for, for people to, to, to do. And I can see that you're on that path.
0: Thank you sir and I absolutely agree. Um it's interesting because these days it feels like no one does the bare minimum, which is just showing up and being consistent. It's the bare oh minimum God, for yes. anything. And yes. I and again just from being consistent like I hadn't been consistent with this podcast but then Octo- but then right at the end of October I just said I'm going to be consistent with the podcast, and I've just been consistent. I had one week where I lost some files, so the episode didn't happen, but I just, I'm keeping going, and I think the consistency has already, like, I hadn't a job opportunity open up, which I shouldn't have even been eligible for, but that was just from me being consistent with that organization, and Go I right. didn't end up getting the job, but they told me that in six months, when the position opens back up and I will be eligible because I will be 16 at that point, that I can have the, the, the job is mine. They told Go me right. that, if, yep. that, if, that if I am available for the job in six months, I get the job and I don't even really need to interview. I already did an interview. So just consistently showing up and consistently mm-hmm. being a great human being opens up every door
1: it does it absolutely does and i'll tell you the hardest decision in life maybe this is just for me the hardest decision in life is figuring it out figuring out what you want to do at any stage in your life whether you're 15 or 49 once you figure that out the rest is easy now you just set a plan in motion and stick to the plan now, doesn't mean you you can't be uh, mobile and 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 adjust as times change, but if you're consistent and you have discipline, you will absolutely crush it. Just one foot in front of the other, right? The journey of a thousand miles starts with the first step, and I don't mean to sound cliche, but that's truly what I believe. And that when you look at where you want to be in a year, five years, ten years, twenty years, it starts with today. And then you and then tomorrow, you work on the next day, and you keep moving forward. Now, along the way along this journey, there's going to be some roadblocks and setbacks. And remember what I said earlier, it's not about what happens to us, but it's how we respond when these things do happen, because there will be setbacks. But those setbacks define who you are. And it shows you your ability to overcome these things. And at 49 years old, I can tell you, I've lived a a wildly successful life, but I can tell you in that success, I have experienced some dark, dark times. I've experienced setbacks that have um, almost cost me my life, right? I was shot in the line of duty as a police officer. But what that did is it showed me and it proved to me how bad I wanted to get back out there. It proved to me that I was on the right path, that I was in fact in the right career at the right time of my life. And so what did that do? It strengthened me. So when I got back out on the field and did my rehab, I think I was a better cop. I then promoted, and then I was able to teach others the things that I've learned. So in all of this, it's the idea that consistency, discipline, and deal with adversity. And, and if you, if you, if you do these things, you will absolutely make it through life. And and I don't believe that, you know, that life is about the, the end, you know, or, or what that, you know, we set goals, but when you accomplish it, you set another goal. Life is, is this big journey. And like I said before, I'm at the tail end of a career, but yet I'm only 49 years old. So for me, I've got to make a big decision about what's next. And... That's where I am now. And once I figure that out, then boom, good to go. Then I'll start on the next journey, the next path. And, and that's, and that's really, uh, what life is really about and, you know, sharing with people along the way and having a good time. And, and, um, you know, it just, I just, I don't know. I mean, it's, uh, it's where I am.
0: absolutely and like recently i was able to get a general idea of what i wanted to do and that right around when i fully realized that was when i began becoming consistent with the podcast because i realized the tool the podcast could be in getting me there yeah. and fr- and from the the just what i realized is the second i figured out where i needed to go everything else became a thousand times easier because I knew what I wanted to do. And so I could just look at something and say, is this a net positive in getting me there or is it a net negative? And if it's a net negative, I'm not going to do it. If it's a net positive, I will. And so I think that I also think that if you think that somewhere's where you want to go and you start going the way, you know, that that's the right path is when, is when you mess up, when you make a mistake, when you, when something doesn't go right, when things get hard, but you still want to do it. When things get hard, right. but it just makes you more amped to get back out there.
1: Yeah, exactly. Because <clears throat>
0: if you're, if it's difficult, but you want to keep going, you're in the right place.
1: Right. Yeah. That, that's absolutely true. And, and again, it's <clears throat> you, uh, it's I go back to that uh, adversity, uh, and when I was when I was uh, in high school, you know, I ran track and cross country as uh, you know with your dad. Actually, against your dad, I used to kick his ass. Um, but uh, there was a quote, and I don't have it offhand. It was actually kind of like a poem, but it was this idea of adversity, and you know what adversity is, right? Adversity is you know playing your sport um, on the other team's home field. But yet, showing up and being excited that you're on the, the, the away turf and ready to go. And um, I think when you, when you can look at yourself in these times of trouble, in these times of adversity, and, and recognize that, okay, I'm in a tough time right now. And if you can fight that, and you can feel it, and, and see the path out, that is so huge. Because so many people, when they get into a dark moment, they fall, they fall further. And they can't see the way out and they, they need, uh, you know, intervention or help from other people and which is okay to get help from others, but to be able to ask and to be able to have a plan to to get out of this, this trough that you're in, um, is huge. And once you've done it enough times in life, um, it almost becomes a little easier because you feel like, okay, I've been here before, right? At at the age of 15, I'm sure if you have a huge setback, it's going to be devastating. Whereas as one gets older, a setback would still be devastating, but by then, by 50, you've had quite a few setbacks and you'll be able to recover and move Absolutely.
0: forward. Absolutely. And I think that the, um, the thing is, is through life as these setbacks become easier, the thing that becomes easier is that you know you can get through it. And so it makes, it, e- it makes that mindset switch happen faster where you go from, oh, no, my life is over to here are the five steps I need to take, the 10 steps to get out. And right. it makes right. everything right. just
1: easier. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's a there's a quote. So so recently, I've been putting some quotes on my mirror at home, and and what sparked it is that as a as a kid, to get me to be to to allow me to become a better runner, I would uh, I read a book called The Mental Athlete, and I I used to have these three by five cards on my wall with positive affirmations. So uh, and my best seasons in, in track were based on my effort that I put into mental training, right? Positive affirmations. And so this last year for me in life has actually been another one of my, um, challenges. And I've got, I've gone through quite a bit, uh, mentally emotionally. And, um, so I started going back to what worked years ago. It was positive affirmations. And there was one in particular that I wrote on the, uh, on the mirror and my son saw it. And he asked me to say, hey, dad, what does that mean? And the quote was, uh, uh, fall down seven times, get up eight. And it, it rings true with me. If you have that mentality, all you got to do is get up one more time. If you fall down seven frickin' times, just get up one more. And with that idea, all you got to do is get up one more time. No matter how many times you fall, just get up one more time. Eventually, that will be your last time. And it was a teaching moment for, for my son for him to look at that. And he may not have completely absorbed it, but it's, 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 it's instilled in him to some degree. And hopefully, as he gets older, he'll have some adversity. He can think back on our conversations and my experiences and the things that I've done that will help apply for his life. And I'll tell you, it's easier said than done. I get it. Uh, This last year, I think I fell down 59 times. Uh, But because I'm sitting here on this podcast talking to you, that means I got up a 60th time. And um, if I fall down again, I know I'll get back up. And I get a little emotional about it because uh, it has been such a challenging year. Um, And um, in fact, I'll just, if you don't mind, I'll just kind of get into it. Um, As it relates to my job, because I'm sure maybe some of the listeners are like, okay, 20 years in law enforcement, you're 49. Um, how, how are you retiring? Um, um, so I was recently diagnosed with, uh, PTSD and, um, for those who may not know, it's obviously a post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, and for me, I'm kind of the last guy, um, you know, for me, it's like <laughs> PTSD. You know, my, my first response when I was diagnosed was I haven't been to Vietnam. You know, I didn't fight in the Iraqi war. How is this the case? You know." Um, that's, that's for people who, who, who fight wars, who have grenades blow up next to them. Um, but the more I learned about it, um, and the more I I realized what was going on and over, you know, 18, 19 years of, uh, you know, 18 of my 19 years have been spent in the field, uh, in uniform, responding to calls as a gang detective, a gang supervisor, Um, I was involved in a shooting where I got shot twice um, at a range of five feet, Um, uh, responding to fatal traffic collisions, um, watching people die in front of you, um, domestic violence, kids getting hurt. So a lot of these things add up over time. And, um, you know, as a cop, I think, okay, I'm a warrior. Uh, I'm not affected by this. That's why I chose this profession. I fight. Um, I fall down, I get up, uh, and, um, but what happens is over time, these things add up and, you know, in law enforcement, you know, you don't, you don't watch a baby die and then come to the station and start crying. You, you suck it up, buttercup, you, you go to briefing and you move on to the next call. And that's just kind of the environment that, that law enforcement is until it affects you to such a degree, um, that, uh. Or, or I shouldn't say you, me. Started affecting me, and I didn't realize it. Um, panic attacks, flashbacks, uh, recurring nightmares. Um, I'd be in a grocery store, and certain things would trigger certain thoughts and images. It would affect the way I'd talk to my kids, treat my kids, uh, my my wife. Um, it was tough, and um, so this year has been very very challenging. And uh, but I go back to what I learned in high school. And that's this idea of fall down seven times, get up eight. And I know I'm being kind of long winded here, but I think the the message here in all of this, regardless of what you're doing in life, whether you're a first responder, you're an accountant um, or a 15 year old kid with a podcast, uh, who's wildly successful, clearly is that when, when, when adversity hits, you muster up the strength and get your ass back out there uh, with the right tools, the right help and, um, and keep going in whatever direction that that is that you choose. Absolutely. That
0: was, yeah, it's pretty freaking rough, but yeah, just getting back out there. That's, that's what's important. Cause in, in life, yeah, if and- you don't make, if, if you don't make mistakes, you don't learn. And so the most important thing is when you make mistakes, just keep going, just keep, you'll get through it, you know?
1: Right. Right. Yeah. And, and I know I've thrown out a few cliche things, but this is how my mind thinks this idea that, um, I keep, I, I I coach little league baseball as well. And one of the things I teach them is that you either, and and we've all heard this, you either win or you learn. And I always tell them we didn't win today in the game, but guess what? We sure as hell learned a whole lot of stuff. So next game we can apply what we learned and become better. And, um, you know, it's not It's not to take away from the idea of losing, but, but the idea that when you do lose, there's value in there, right? My kids know that there's no trophies for second place in the Hyde household, right? If you get second place, guess what? Get your ass up a little earlier, work a little bit harder, and win. And if yeah. you don't, keep doing it. There's no second place trophies for us in this household. And I coach the same way, you know, within reason, you know. Um, I'm not some hard ass coach that yells at all these eight year olds and 12 year olds. But, um, although my wife would probably say otherwise, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, um, get your ass up and work harder if you want, right. If you want, if you want to be better, wake up earlier, work harder.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's one thing that's interesting in society today, all these participation trophies. It's like, if I didn't, play the best i don't deserve this why are you giving why are you giving me a trophy just for showing up like like that's literally the bare minimum and when we reward the bare minimum it gets to the point where people think of the bare minimum as as winning and so they don't always do the bare minimum they only do the bare minimum when they want
1: to win and it's weird exactly and that is why we go back to how to be successful in life you will stand out above the crowd By showing up and working hard and not quitting. If you do those three things, I'm telling you, you will succeed. Because so many people are not. Kids are so used to that second place trophy. I don't need to win to get a trophy, right? I can be average and I will still be told that I am a winner, right? And I get there's a balance in life between, you know, I I was raised 70s, 80s, where there definitely was no second place trophies. It was like, it was it was to the extreme, you know, where there was no coddling. There was no. It was like you get your ass beat, you know, <laughs> you know, for for not not doing your best. But, um, <clears throat> you know, you want to support the kids. You want to support somebody's efforts and not demoralize them. But you can do that without giving them a a, a trophy and saying, well, you didn't win, but hey, this is your participation award. No. Um, I think there's motivation in 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 losing and not getting that thing that you want, so that way next time you can work hard to get that thing you want because that's that's true of anything in life. You know and that's true of money Absolutely. too. You know,
0: yeah. There's motivation in adversity, but the nature of a participation award is that you don't deal with that adversity. But how are you going to get better if you don't deal with it?
1: It's right. Yeah, yeah. exactly. You know, and and I'll tell you. It, a challenge is as a dad, I obviously, the, my two boys, um, we, li- we live in a world where, well, I live in a world where, you know, I've had a good job and I've made some good money and uh, um, I can afford things. I, uh, I can afford to, to buy my kids things. So one of the challenges that I come across is when my kids want something. Yeah, I could literally by a click of a button on my phone, buy it. And sometimes, oftentimes I do. They want that soccer ball. I click the button on my phone. And within hours, that soccer ball is at the front door because i have the means however um, i am doing my kids a disservice by doing this and i catch myself and one of the things that i've done is uh, i try to teach my kids the value of money and it's a combination of yeah i click the button and i get the soccer ball for six seven eight dollars but i also have them earn money by doing chores around the house Um, we, we've done some entrepreneurial type stuff for the kids so they can earn money as well. And they put some of that money in the bank, some in their wallet. And well, that way, when they come to me and they say, Hey dad, I want this thing. Okay, buddy. Yeah. You can have that thing. Are you going to buy it? Right. So it's about teaching them that value. And so we in the Hyde household try to do a little bit of that. And, uh, hopefully then when they're older, then they can understand and appreciate that things don't show up on the doorstep a couple hours later because you asked for it.
0: Absolutely, and I think an interesting thing there is one thing I like that I want to do as a parent eventually when that day comes is let's say let's say uh, my kid wants something expensive though it's like a big purchase you know that they really want I'd be like you get half I'll I'll match I'll match however much you make and I think that that teaching them that where it's like it gives a good hybrid where if it's in a thousand dollar thing and you're, and, and they really want it. And they're what, 12 years old. It's like, okay, I'm going to, I want, I want, I'm going to have this 12 year old make, learn to make $500 because they could, because if they can make $500, that means with double the time they can make a thousand. And so you can teach that lesson and right. also help out at the same
1: time. Right. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think one of the things that's not taught, um, it wasn't taught when I was a kid and I'm not seeing it being taught today with the kids is, um, is money, right? It's the, the topic of money um, is not being talked about. And yet it's arguably the most important lesson uh, to be learned. Um, you know, at, at almost 50 years old, I look back at my life. I'm like, God, what could I have done better? Well, there's a lot, but there's, but there's really one thing that stands out that I wish that I could change. And it's, it's understanding money, the value of money, and saving at a much earlier age. And uh, one of the things that I've uh, started to do... Um, it, so one of the things I'm noticing is that people my age, people I work with, cops, firefighters, a lot of first responders, because that's a lot of my, my network, are, those are the people I work with. Um, it was not taught to them. And so they're not very good with money. Well, with the finance background I have, I I try to help as many people as I can. So I started a newsletter on Substack. And it's a free newsletter. I do it for fun. It's a, like a passion project of mine. And uh, I write every week or two. Um, and it, it, the idea is that it's I'm trying to educate as many people as I can about money. And I'm passing this on to my kids. We talk about it at home. Uh, like I said, we have some entrepreneurial stuff we've done. At Christmas time in my neighborhood, we get a lot of people that walk through. So we sell hot chocolate. We sell some Cookies and stuff like that. And so I make my kids pay for the permit. They're out front working with me. They get to earn the money. And uh, they're able to see this value. They're able to see. You work hard. You get some money. They'll spend some. They'll save some. And these are just lessons that that are not taught in school. Um, that I wish there was more of Absolutely. this in our communities. And it's just not there. The,
0: I think that's the biggest thing missing from modern education. Which is interesting because it's honestly the most valuable thing for for any young person to learn in school would be how to manage your money, how to become successful. Um, the, uh, the man who runs the leadership uh, mentorship program I'm in, uh, Matt Bedro, he, um, has some schools in Roseville up here, um, yeah. that are through, that are, um, part of the Acton Academy network. And those, mm-hmm. those schools are all about project based learning. And, um, he consistent, and I think that that's one of the things that they they spend some time on is that finance, and it's really entrepreneurial focused. Like they have a business fair every year where each kid basically in the school builds a business, and then they have a business fair where all these kids are showing off these businesses. And some oh of these God, kids so are cool. doing like tens of thousands of dollars every year with their business. Dude, that is so cool.
1: Love that. Some
0: of these kids are fully paying their tuition. No it's freaking awesome. Yes. Yeah. I
1: love I love seeing that. And I and I think that's where as, as a country, we need I mean, we're a capitalistic, you know, uh, uh, country, and that's how our economy grows. And if you got young kids starting businesses, I mean, that is just that is so amazing. And um it's it's a part of our society that that has been missing. And and I agree with what you said, it's probably the most undertaught topic yet arguably the most important topic because every decision in life revolves around money and not to make things materialistic. But to me, money equals freedom. What I mean by that is that if I'm able to retire, fully retire uh, at a young age, that means I have more time with my kids. I have more time to coach baseball. I have more time to travel. I have more time to do the things that I really enjoy doing in life. And, 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 and if I'm burdened with debt because I wasn't taught money skills, I didn't know how to invest. I'm going to work till I'm, you know, 92 years old. And uh, and and since I can't go back in time to be better with money, I try to teach my kids. You know, I try to I try to talk about money as much as I can with the people that I know because so many people are hurting right now, especially in this economy that we're in. And um, you know, a lot of the politicians and and our policies, you know. Sort of take advantage of the the middle class america where where money is being wiped away and it's killing people's uh futures and it's unfortunate,
0: yeah, it's one thing I find interesting because the government and these politicians taking advantage of the 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 middle uh middle class American in order to do whatever it is, but then these are the these politicians are the same people that um that when they're in power are working on our school system. So I'm like, is it necessarily a coincidence that these politicians aren't having the financial skills taught in school, which would make our middle class smart enough that they couldn't, you know, take advantage of them? It's an interesting topic to think about.
1: Yeah. I'll tell you a a business idea I've thought of is, um, and it's not necessarily a lucrative one, but uh I think when you think of a business, if you don't always think of um, you know it being lucrative, if you take the money out of uh, uh, the business idea, oftentimes those are the best ideas because you're not clouded by the decision of the money. But a business idea I've thought of is is having some sort of a an education program for kids and you know i asked myself what what age is appropriate you know obviously eight-year-old uh, okay maybe not but but i talked to my eight-year-old about money because, so he has a foundation 12 year old 13 year old and definitely the 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 middle age school uh in high school years are are critical and so having some kind of a business where you're able to educate make it fun uh and 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 teach them about compounding interest uh the different investment vehicles um, better ways to save the idea that if you with your first paper route as a kid or your first tech job if you set aside you know 10 20 percent and just make it consistent you will at, in 30 40 years at the age of 50 have a whole boatload of money to live off of and but part of it is the challenge of having a like i'm sure for you at 15 well, maybe not you because you're pretty advanced. But the average fifteen-year-old isn't thinking light years ahead. Even if I said save fifty percent of your paycheck, and you'll retire in twenty years at the age of, you know, thirty-five, most fifteen-year-olds are going to go. I could care less. Eh. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I'd, I'd rather buy. Happen. I'd rather buy
0: the. I'd rather buy this
1: video game. You know. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. But so, so part of this teaching kids about money is, is the mindset uh, around. So, and an example that I would, that I would give is a, it's not about, yeah, it's teaching them to save it, but telling them it's okay. Hey, you save it, but guess what? It's okay to also spend it. You can still buy the things you want, but make sure that you're still putting money aside. And that way, saving doesn't become this this thing that is a pain in my ass and I don't like to do it, but I know I have to because I'm told I can retire in 30 years and I can give a shit about retiring in 30 years because I'm a whole life ahead of me. But, it's, but if you go from making no money to all of a sudden 20 bucks an hour, okay, if you were to put $3 away of that 20 bucks, you're still making $17 an hour more than you were making before. So this, just this idea. And then when you make 25 bucks an hour, split the difference. So, you know, there's a lot of different principles and ideas that, that, you know, if, if somebody were to look at and just do it, eh, you don't have to enjoy it, but just do it. Just, just do that two bucks, three bucks an hour to the side. Once you have 10 grand 50 grand 100 grand saved up that in itself says holy crap this is pretty cool saving is cool now i can really buy that absolutely. apartment building as an investment and that and the apartment building that i buy will pay me what two thousand a month in cash flow oh it's amazing you know and so it's just yeah. it's the idea to get kids thinking about this
0: absolutely um it's that's a friggin' great idea because um so the mentorship program I I'm in is ran by uh two guys, Matt Badreau and um Oh I'm blanking on his name. Oh I'm Oh god. I'm blanking on his name. He's a former Navy SEAL. Um He's relatively well known. The name Matt, Matt Bedro rings the bell. Yeah. yeah. Matt Bedro and then God oh, oh my gosh, I'm blanking on the on his name right hold on give me give me 35 <laughs> seconds i will have his no. name G- here we go um here we go um oh tim kennedy um, oh okay okay so tim kennedy and matt badrow and this matt Bedreau, matt is a uh, he's been he gets paid lots of money to fly around fortune 500 companies and speak to the their 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 new employees straight out of college Who just can't produce anything, who are just terrible employees. And he flies around and talks to these people to fix these people for these Fortune 500 companies. That's how he's made his his money. But these schools, these schools and these, uh, and the mentorship program, um, neither of those make him money. He doesn't make money off of either of those. Mm-hmm. I mean there is tuition for those programs there's absolutely a tuition for those schools and for the mentorship program but that's not that's not there to make money but it's been wildly successful and so it's mm-hmm. like but but that's one thing i think would be great is to have a fi- a financial a financial thing similar to these programs that are oriented at young people but aren't looking to make a quick buck, you know, or just, you know, just trying to help
1: the, the, um, the youth of the world. Well, and I think that's where um, I I go back to when I said a few minutes ago is that if you have an idea of something and you take the money at like, like not monetizing it and I I get it depending on where people are in their lives, you know, the idea of businesses to make money uh, and to provide a service or a product, but what I like, for example, my my uh, Substack, uh, it's a it's a money markets, uh, money and markets uh, Substack. And it's all things money, and I ta- and I write about investing. I write about um, how to save. I write on different um, different tips and. Uh, stock market stuff, and it's really and it's free. And I just I put it out there, and it's there's there's no monetizing of it whatsoever. My idea behind that is just to get people thinking about money, and get them to to be better with it, and and at least to to take control of their own personal finances. The next one I'm writing for for this week is actually uh, how to teach your kids about money, and it's uh, very near and dear to my heart because I I I like to teach my kids as much as I can at the age that they are to get them thinking about it. Um, but when you, when you have an idea and you don't focus on the money side of things, meaning the making of the money, oftentimes those are the best ideas. And if it becomes monetized down the road, uh, because it grew organically, then, then you can launch a product that has value, uh, that, that has been tested in the market. Uh, but it's really the idea of just, um, doing something that you love that helps people. And oftentimes those are the best products.
0: Absolutely. I started this podcast cuz I wanted to podcast. I mean, I would be happy yeah, if it made some yeah. money, but I don't right. care right now. I just want to talk right. to people and put it out for the world right. to see. Right. And exactly. I just want to and and if it gets built up to the point where it's big and I have someone reach out to spo- to sponsor or something, I'm open to that possibility, but that's not the priority.
1: Right, exactly. Yeah, that's huge. And if you have if you're at a point in your life where you have the time, the means Uh, and the desire, the passion, then, then you'll, then you'll be successful.
0: Yeah. Um, so kind of talking about the whole financial side of things, what, um, well, I guess, no, I guess it wasn't on the financial side of things, but what I, what I (laughs) want to ask you is what, what was, what has been your most influential mistake like what mistake you made has influenced you most in becoming who you are?
1: Hmm. And it's any topic or we're we talking financially? Any topic, anything. Interesting, a couple of things come to mind. I've made a few mistakes and they they cover different areas. I mean, I've I've made I think I'm successful financially because of financial mistakes that I've made. I'm successful in my career because of and I'm narrowing down my my uh my answer here. I'm just kind of thinking out loud. Um, I'll, I'll talk financially, I guess. Uh, Cause that is, um, when I was, when I started my career as a, as a cop, actually I worked for E-Trade before that in finance, um, you know, I was early 20 something I was making, you know, back then I was making 75, $95,000 a year. And back then for me, a single guy, I was a lot of, I was rich, you know? And, um, uh, so I was spending, I bought a house, which is great, but I bought a truck I bought a, uh, a boat, uh, and as your dad can attest to, he's been out with me on the boat, and I probably bought him a bunch of drinks because I was putting things on credit cards, and I was living good, living large. And it got to the point where my credit cards, um, my, my credit cards exceeded uh, what I was able to pay monthly on a regular basis. So I was making the minimum payments, and I realized that I now did not have the excess income to do the things that I wanted to do. Um, and combine that with a few years later, when the real estate, real estate crisis happened, um, I had over leveraged myself on a couple of rental houses. I thought I was a real estate mogul and come to find out, um, I was not a real estate mogul. I just was riding the wave up of real estate. And when it went the other way, um, I crashed and burned. And I actually filed for uh, a Chapter 13 bankruptcy. Um, I lost uh, the two houses that I had at the time. Um, And this is right around the time that I also was shot uh, at work. And so I was in the hospital for a while. So I wasn't able to attend to these things. So long story short, um, I was riding this wave up. I crashed and burned. And I had to start over again but the one thing that i had going for me uh two things i had going for me one was um my i was still in a job in a career that i loved so my my cash flows as a as an employee so to speak my job was still paying me i was still working i was able to start from scratch again and when i started from ground zero um i started saving um i started investing i started studying studying, studying. I became so... That's when I really took my foundation of finance and really started applying it. And I remember when I finally had saved up, I think it was $20,000. I bought my first... Now with the mistakes that I've made in real estate, um, I took a lot of what I learned. The things that I did wrong stood out to me. And so I started applying, getting back into real estate... Uh, and uh, applying the things that I that I learned, and I remember buying my first house in Memphis, Tennessee, and I chose Memphis for a variety of reasons based on my research, um, having to do with uh, population growth, cash flows, something called the one percent rule, um, and bought a cash flowing house. And I thought, okay, what's the worst that could happen? Well. Uh, the house goes down in value, but as long as I have rent and somebody's paying me rent, I don't care about the value of the house. I bought it for cash flow. And so I then bought another one once I uh, saved up another twenty thousand. And I built a foundation one step at a time based on the mistakes that I'd made um, and the attitude that I had of uh, getting up one more time and growing and learning and getting better because I'd made the decision. This is what I want to do. This will give me freedom. This will allow me to retire at a younger age. And I just started applying those things, and um, you know, here I am, a uh, bunch of years later, still growing and learning, uh, but with 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 more knowledge, and and I'm able to talk about my my mistakes and things I've done wrong. Absolutely,
0: that's that's awesome. I think that you just hearing you talk about those mistakes is really cool for me to hear because obviously i think that's another thing that's valuable is being able to learn from other people's mistakes so every time i come on i i do an interview with these uh, with people on this podcast i get to hear about their experiences and what's happened to them within their lives and from that i can be like okay they did this they regretted it so i probably shouldn't do that you know i i mean i probably shouldn't you know throw a bunch of money on credit cards you know it's, right. yeah. it's not, it's not a smart it's thing to it's, do.
1: It's interesting how I am today, for example, on the, on the topic of credit cards, I've got several credit cards, but I owe zero on them. And what I do, one of the things I do is I have one credit card that I, I use for everything I can. Everything I spend day in and day out goes on that one credit card. And then when I get paid two weeks later, I pay it to zero, two weeks later, pay it to zero, right? Mm-hmm. And I use it. So, so what it does is a couple of things. I can't stand having debt because of what I've gone through, right? And so, when I pay it to zero, I know what I just spent for the last two weeks, right? So, if it's fifteen hundred bucks, great. Next two weeks, fifteen hundred bucks. That's my baseline. Well, if I all of a sudden have to pay down twenty five hundred, it's like holy shit. What, what just happened? What, where did our money go, right? So, it gives me a pulse of where my spending is. Uh, and then I accrue points and rewards and I'm able to see, I can go back through all my expenses and I can see where my money has gone. So if I de- need to make some adjustments, I can look at where I've been. Oh yeah. We went to dinner a few times. Let's, let's cut down on that or, Absolutely. or, you know, and what's interesting is when COVID hit, uh, that $1,500 as an example, uh, was like 900. And so I was able to see the effects of COVID, how I was actually saving money because I was locked in my house. And I wasn't able to go anywhere, so I was spending less, you know, and so um the gauge that was telling me that we're that the reopening was starting to happen is my that nine hundred bucks became eleven hundred thirteen hundred I'm like, oh, we're slowly getting out, I can tell we're out more, you know um yeah but uh but yeah, the credit card usage is is big with me um and being able to to manage that uh appropriately
0: one hundred percent, yeah, that sounds like. Sounds to me like the um, the credit card deal is really well. That's that's the entire point of a well of a well a credit card company. It's like okay, they're they're trying to catch you lacking a little bit. So yeah, You've got to be course. very smart. You've got to be very yeah. smart with how you use your money.
1: Yeah, I'm their um. worst customer because I get paid one and a half percent cash back on the money I spend, and and so for every five thousand I spend, I get seventy five bucks. And they're not earning any interest on my five thousand bucks because I'm paying it to zero. But I guess seventy five bucks.
0: Absolutely, um, my yeah. that's what my dad does as well. I mean, he's a yeah, yeah. financial advisor, so he knows a little bit about yeah. finance. Yeah, that's what he, he does. does. He has he does. one card that he puts yep. everything on and pays yep. it off, and from that he gets cash back and travel miles, and then yeah, yeah exactly.
1: I like that you know how he spends his money because that tells me then within the family, there is that conversation. So you as a 15 year old understand what good financial habits look like, because part of, um, uh, teaching our kids is modeling good behavior and that's good that he's done that.
0: 100%. I think that's something interesting where another thing that, that, where that value is lost today, where, parents just send their kids off to school and be like, oh, that's that's where they learn. They learn just as much in the household. So right. I would argue even more. And so teaching the kids how things work at home, I think it's that's important because then it's not the teacher who's never had any real experience in the world as an entrepreneur or anything. It's you who knows something or who have experiences pouring into your children is arguably more important than what they, anything right. they learn in school.
1: hundred percent. I agree.
0: Yeah. Wow. This has been really yeah, cool. This is, uh, you, I, <laughs> we've gone a long time. On here. Here. I
1: yeah. I don't know what, I don't know what kind of time frames you're looking at, but yeah, we've, we've, we've talked about a lot of stuff. And And the funny thing is, is I could go for a few more hours.
0: <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> dude this has been
1: so fun yeah man i have to say this if i may real quick i legitimately like dude i i'm legitimately so proud of you for for uh doing what you're doing you know i look back i think i was a fairly successful 15 year old you know uh I, I mean not academically of course i was horrible in school because i was doing so many other things but but you look at you man like a, you're, you're doing your podcast you're you're so respectful. You've done your research, uh, asking good questions. I, I, I love it, man. You're, you're doing a great job and really it's a testament to what your, your parents have done. And, and so, um, you know, if you guys are listening, um, you know, Adrian and then Lindy, you guys have done a great job. Proud of both you guys. I miss both you guys, by the way. So, um, Adrian, we got to get together some time and have some drinks, uh, up in uh, your neck of the woods.
0: <laughs> Thank you. Um also yeah. send me a send me a link to that uh the newsletter. I'll put it down in the, oh, in yeah, the yeah. description of yeah, the podcast. Sure. Thank you guys at home for watching. I'm Parker Eimerl. I've been talking to Mr. Eric Hyde, and this has been the Conversation Station.